So the scripture today, uh, coming from John. First of all, John 16, verses 25 through 28. This would be Jesus speaking. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and I'm going back to the Father. And then staying in John, uh, going back to chapter 14, verse 23 through 26. Jesus replied, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, prior to starting officially here at the church almost two years ago, I taught high school math for 33 years. And the courses I taught ranged from basic business, uh, freshman, sophomore, up through algebra, geometry, Statistics, probability, pre-calculus, um, even, even a little bit of calculus a couple of different years. And so I had all levels, freshman to senior. And w- within those students, there were different directions that they were envisioning going. Some, after high school, were going to be going right straight into the workforce. Some might be going to some trade schools, some to two- or four-year colleges. Different aspirations. Some thinking of being doctors which would be education beyond that. But in all of those scenarios, especially when we were studying something that would be a challenge, something that may be a little bit more difficult to easily understand or comprehend, um, there was one question that frequently came up, regardless of the course, regardless of the student, um, any thoughts on what that question might have been? Why? Yeah. When am I ever going to use this? Right? And it, you know, if you can think back to when you were going through school, yeah, math might have been one of those things that you asked your teacher then. Why am I learning this? Where is it going to help me? When am I ever going to use this? And, and I will say that early in my career, I took a bit of offense to that with students asking that. Like, how dare you denigrate math? And, and as time went on, I thought, no, that, I don't need to take that personally because everybody's at their own different level. Um, so here, here became a bit of more my response. Um, yeah, it, it may not be something that you're enjoying right now, but this is for a grade and a credit to be able to graduate from high school. Uh, if you are heading into college, you've got a GPA that identifies scholarship or even entry into different colleges um, where you get to do what you really want to do. You know, if you're an English major, yeah, maybe math isn't going to be applied to what you're going to do, and that's okay. I even told some students, maybe you'll never use it. 
that's okay. But the thing that I always always come back to, regardless of what you might envision, I want your best effort. Trust me. Somewhere along the line, you've got open doors that may, may be available in time, but it's a good exercise. But give me your best effort. Now, a little bit of a different direction as well. Um, how many of you have seen the movie Karate Kid? Now, there's, there's a newer version, but then there's a 1984 version that I'm familiar with. And, I, and I've seen both. But in the 1984 version, uh, Ralph Macchio played Daniel LaRusso, a high school kid. And Pat Morita played Mr. Miyagi. And uh, Daniel had moved with his mom out to California, had encountered some challenges at the high school that he was now going to, and wanted to learn karate. And ended up learning that Mr. Miyagi knew something about karate. So he comes to Mr. Miyagi and says, I, I want you to teach me. And so with a little bit of negotiating, Mr. Miyagi agrees, I will teach you karate. With the statement, I teach, you learn. And so with that, Daniel comes to his first day of training. And in Daniel's mind, he's going to be learning how to attack, how to fight. Because he had been attacked. He had been, yeah, he had been beaten up. So his goal was, I fight, I attack. So first day, Mr. Miyagi has the expression, wax on, wax off. And that was, this was about washing and waxing cars. And the whole process of wax on, wax off was with both hands rotating outward. There was a specific way that Mr. Miyagi was asking him to do this. Wax on, wax off. So Daniel spends a full day waxing and washing cars. Mr. Miyagi says, come back tomorrow. Second day, Daniel shows up. And today is now the time to sand the floor. So Mr. Miyagi has a walkway out behind his house. And so Daniel has, again, both hands sanding the floor, but this time it's a matter of rotating inward. Again, a specific request. Sand the floor. Mr. Miyagi sends him home. Come back tomorrow. So third day, Daniel comes in, and again, he's already starting to think, okay, what? I haven't learned any karate yet. Third day, he gets to paint the fence. Mr. Miyagi has fencing out behind, some smaller, thinner boards, some wider boards. And so with the left hand, Daniel is supposed to paint the thin boards. With the wider ones, the right hand, he paints those boards. Again, long strokes up, long strokes down. And there's a specific way that Mr. Miyagi's asking him to do this. And again, Daniel's starting to get a little frustrated. Like, I'm not learning karate. Fourth day, Daniel shows up. Mr. Miyagi's not even there. There's a set of cans of paint with the directions, paint the house. And this time, it's a matter of left to right. Both hands, left to right. So again, Daniel's frustrated. Four long days, his 
thought and his process in, in his mind is, I've done four days of mundane work. I've done nothing about karate. Why am I doing this? It is confusing. I don't understand it. And I'll get back to some of this later. Two weeks ago, the scripture that we read included John 16, 18, which was following Jesus telling the disciples of his return to the Father. He's going to return to the Father. And here's what John 16, 18 says. It says, they, the disciples, kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he's saying. And in Luke 18, 34, that same sentiment is referred to. And this would be following Jesus referring to death and rising again in three days. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. Matthew 16, 21 to 22. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And, and so that response, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Now, just prior to that interaction with Peter, in verses 13 to 16, we read this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. So, I mean, Jesus taught in parables. And so that required some thought, some, some understanding, some reflection. And sometimes the disciples got it, like Peter did in verses 13 through 16. And sometimes they didn't. They didn't understand what was going on. But one thing that I want you to recognize, Jesus kept teaching day by day. He kept walking with them day by day. The disciples were living with Jesus, listening to Jesus, hopefully learning. But I have to believe there were many days that the disciples were listening, trying to learn, and were feeling overwhelmed. What does he mean? What's he saying? When Jesus talks about being killed, being raised again in three days, and in today's scripture, having been being sent by God and then returning to God, was Jesus expecting them to understand everything right away? Or would it take some time? Now, with the whole idea of resurrection... Uh, the disciples would have been aware of the Old Testament teachings of the end times, and there are references to people rising from the dead. Daniel 12, 2 says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. And then also in Isaiah 26, 19, we read, But your dead will live, Lord, their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her death. So, so we benefit from what the disciples did learn and the subsequent books that were written in the Bible. We, we have their books. We have some of their thoughts. 
that they had with some time for reflection. We, we benefit from the questions and a bit of the process that they struggled through and answers that the Holy Spirit provided for them as they wrote the words of God, the words that God gave them to pass along to us. But while the disciples were right in the midst of living on earth, they were challenged to raise their thoughts to their earthly thoughts up to God's higher thoughts. So when Jesus said, I was sent by God, and then also I will return to God, a bit of a question I have for us today to kind of look at a little bit. Why did God send Jesus? Why did he come here? What, you know, if he came from God and then he's going back to God, why did he come here in the first place? So four, four responses to that and then some scriptures to kind of refer to or back that up. First, God came, or God sent Jesus to reveal the Father. So, so what is God really like? Is it possible to know God personally? Now, in the Old Testament, God related to the Israelites as the creator, giver of the law, a judge, and a redeemer of the people, redeemer of his people. So, so there wasn't necessarily a personal connection to each person. But in Jesus coming to earth, God became personally relatable to mankind. And that took some time for the disciples to understand, to comprehend. That was a change in what their teaching and upbringing had been. John 1, 17 through 18 says, For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. So the disciples walked personally with Jesus during his ministry on earth. They had a front row seat. And what they saw and experienced, they've been able to pass along to us in Scripture. John 14, 6-7, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you know him and have seen him. So in knowing Jesus, we know God. The disciples would have been accustomed to temple worship and animal sacrifices. During the ministry of Jesus, that big, huge curtain that was torn when Jesus died was still in place. The disciples were not going into the Holy of Holies to experience God personally. We have that now. And the disciples had to go through a mind change to understand that as well. Um, Hebrews 1.3 The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So the disciples had some time and needed some time to understand Jesus was God. There is glory. There is a personal relationship that's available, and that is available for us as well. Second, God sent Jesus into the world to do away with 
and forgive sin. Hebrews 9, 26 through 28 says, But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. So in this writing of Hebrews, Paul is recognizing the first time Jesus came, sin was removed. And in the second time, that would be the end times as the disciples are anticipating as well, that's when full salvation will be occurring. Peter also wrote about the removal of sin in 1 Peter 2.24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So during the conversations in the scripture that uh, we read in John, the disciples would not have had a clue on how Jesus' death on the cross would be providing forgiveness of sins. That was new for them. That would not have been on their radar. So they were still being called to a higher thought process. And as that was still being mulled over in their mind, Jesus kept teaching. They kept listening. They kept walking daily with Jesus. The third reason for Jesus coming to earth was to destroy the works of the devil. Um, 1 John 3 8, this is very direct. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Satan has been creating discord and confusion since the Garden of Eden. And he's going to continue doing that. Uh, I've heard several references that we've made from the pulpit here in different podcasts about how much the devil loves any division, any discord, any fighting within the church that occurs. He just loves that. In these past years, we've had numerous challenges, but those challenges aren't new just in the past years. They've been here for a long time. And they're going to continue. The devil enjoys that. Satan's working on his own kingdom. He wants to rule. Uh, God's got an opportunity. God's given us power to help to combat and dismantle that kingdom of evil. This is what Julie had in her prayer. Ephesians 6.11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And a reminder of that armor. It was part of Julie's prayer. The belt of truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Feet shod with the gospel of grace. The shield of faith. Helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit. The word of God. And I'm going to add one more along this. And this goes right along with what Julie was referring to. In Ephesians 6.18 after the armor of God is identified, 
Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. The power of prayer for the believer in Jesus is a weapon against Satan. It's a weapon for the church. God sent Jesus to earth to defeat the devil. That battle continues today, and it will continue. Finally, the fourth. God sent Jesus to the world to provide an example of a holy life. Now, the, the past couple of weeks, I've been teaching the MYF Sunday School of the last quarter. In the last couple of weeks, um, we've talked about how Jesus has been considered a good teacher. And in progressive Christianity and some other platforms, that's all he is. He's a good teacher, a good example for us to follow. Okay, that, that's, yeah, that's not true. He is a good teacher. He is a good example, but he's so much more than that. Um, the truth is, Jesus Christ was the one and only Son of God. Now, as far as being an example, it is in Scripture to follow Jesus as an example. 1 Peter 2.21 To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. And then also in 1 John 2, 3 through 6, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, Love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So we are called to live a life patterned after Jesus, which would include being humble, being loving, being forgiving, being compassionate, being patient, being gentle, and I, two other characteristics that don't summarize into just one nice, neat little word. Devoted to prayer. Luke 5.16 is just one reference. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And there's many references to Jesus going off on his own and praying. Another would be the reliance on the Holy Spirit for power. In both Luke 4.1 and 4.14, there's reference to Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't take on this world alone. He had the Holy Spirit. He had God with him as well. So we are called to seek following Jesus as an example in all arenas of our life. And the disciples were learning as they lived day by day with Jesus as well. Now, when Jesus was gone, then the Holy Spirit came and continued to teach, continued to speak into the hearts and minds of the disciples. And they started to see the bigger picture. And again, their writings had more to do with the bigger picture than they ever had available while they were with Jesus. So today, we go through our lives seeking God's wisdom and his will. That's what we pray. Lord, give me wisdom 
Help me to follow you. And some of the challenges that we have, they could be health issues, they could be family struggles, political unrest, social unrest, emotional turmoil, whatever those struggles may be. We get tired. Some of those things that we encounter make no sense to us at all. We don't understand. So we ask that question that my math students were asking me. Why? How long do we have to do this? How long do I have to study this, Mr. Gerber? When's the test so I can be done with it? I don't understand. But why? And what I asked my math students to do was just give me your best effort every day. Now, not all of them bought in and believed that. And that was up to them. That was up to what they were going to do, what they were going to commit to. Now, there's a video clip of the karate kid that I want to show real quick here. And this, this would be after kind of that fourth day. So Daniel has taken all the cases. He's sanded the floor. He's waxed the cars. He's uh, painted the fence. He's painted the house. And he kind of comes to Mr. Miyagi and he says, what am I doing this for? And so Daniel was asking for it, answers. And Mr. Mr. Miyagi gave him some answers. Show me Sight of me. 
Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Daniel didn't understand until things were revealed to him. He couldn't see through the daily routine the teacher was taking him and leading him through. But each day, Mr. Miyagi would finish saying, come back tomorrow. But in that last scene, Daniel had a very different perspective. He understood more. Maybe not everything, but he understood more. What about times when we don't understand? What about times when I feel I'm at the end of my rope? I am frustrated. Am I still willing to trust God in heaven who sent Jesus down here for my salvation that I trust what he is doing? And am am I able to see what he has done, what he is doing, and trust what he will do for me but also through me and then with me. I'm hoping that I get to see the big picture sometimes sooner than later. The disciples were able to see more of the big picture over time, but that time was spent studying, praying, learning and listening from the Holy Spirit, living out their faith on a daily basis. And the end result, you know, those higher thoughts can become a focus. And that's good. Lord, give me the higher view. But I would also say don't diminish the daily process. If it had nothing to do with karate, Daniel waxed four cars, he sanded the entire deck, he painted the fence, he painted the house. That in and of itself was pretty good work. Regardless of our age, we are called to walk faithfully day by day, doing little things. And I put little in quotation marks, showing love, showing kindness, being patient, all of those things that make a difference in God's kingdom. But we are called to look for higher things as well, those higher thoughts, fellowshipping with God, And we can do that personally in our Bible study. We do that in a communal scenario, in our Sunday school classes, in our small groups. We will have blessings from God on this earth as we wax, as we sand, and as we paint. They may not all come in our time, what we desire. There will be times when we don't understand as we work our way through challenges. But God calls us to be faithful. Commit to his guidance day by day. And then as Mr. Miyagi said, 
come back tomorrow. <laughs>